بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we were talking about some of the events that took place after the battle of Uhud and as we mentioned, Uhud took place in the third year of the Hijrah, in the month of Shawwal. So in the fourth year of the Hijrah, in the month of Rabi'ul Awwal, there was a Ghazwa, there was an expedition known as Ghazwat Dawmat al-Jandal. And the land of Dawmat al-Jandal, it is in the northern part of the Arabian Peninsula, very far away from Al-Madinah. So there were the tribes in the area of Dawmat al-Jandal who had an intention that they would come to Medina and they would attack Medina. And as we mentioned, after the Battle of Uhud, lots of tribes from around the Arabian Peninsula, they were thinking in the same way, that this is a period of weakness for the Muslims. They have just suffered from heavy losses at Uhud. This is our chance to ambush them and to attack them. So many tribes had this intention that they would go and they would try to attack Al-Medina. And from these, from these tribes were the tribes who were in an area named Dawmatul uh, Jandal, which is in the northern part of the Arabian Peninsula. So the Prophet ﷺ, like we mentioned, he always kept his intelligence officers all over the place listening for news for anyone who had any bad intentions towards the Muslims and towards Medina. So from these intelligence sources, the Prophet ﷺ was informed that the tribes of Dawmatul Jandal were planning an attack on Medina. So the Prophet ﷺ prepared an army of 1,000 Muslim soldiers, big army, 1,000 men, and he headed towards Dawmatul Jandal before they could actually come to Al Medina. Now it's very far away from Medina. It's in the northern part of the Arabian Peninsula. It's very far away from Medina, and it was about a month's distance from Medina, a month worth of travel to go to Dawmatul Jandal. But the Prophet ﷺ, he, he prepared his army of 1,000 men and he marched forward. When the tribes of Dawmatul Jandal heard that the Prophet ﷺ was coming to face them, instead of them coming to Medina, he was coming towards them, they got scared. They got scared and before any fighting could take place, they ran away. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Nusirtu birru'bi masirata shahr. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me victory through striking fear in the hearts of the people for the distance of one month. I can be one month distance away and the kuffar hear that I'm coming and they get scared. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Prophet this gift that the people would hear of, of his coming and they would be afraid and they would run away. So the Prophet said, Nusirtu birru'bi masirat shahr. So when the Prophet and his army, they reached Dawmatul Jandal, Dawmatul Jandal, they ran, the tribes of Dawmatul Jandal, they ran away. And the Prophet stayed there in their land for some time to assert his presence there. He would stay there for some time to assert his presence there. So the people would know, yes, I'm here with my people. And this was a show of strength and a show of power. And on the way back to Al-Madina, they were able to take some of the animals of those tribes and bring them back with them to Al-Madina. So now, Islam and the Muslims, they're starting to leave their mark in different parts of the land. 
you know, they're going and they're able to defeat these people many times without even fighting because the other tribes just get so scared that they run away. And the Muslims are asserting their presence in these different areas of the land. Uh, a few months later after this Ghazwat Dawmat al-Jandal, a few months later, the Prophet set out with an army of 1,000 men to Badr. He returned back to Badr. Why did he return back to Badr? Because if you remember at the end of the Battle of Uhud, at the end of the Battle of Uhud, the Muslims, they suffered, suffered very heavy losses. But still, even so, it was not a clear-cut victory for the Kuffar either. It was not a clear-cut victory for the Kuffar. So Abu Sufyan, before he left, he announced, this is not over. He said, this is not over and we will meet again next year at Badr. Our appointment is next year at Badr and we will face off against each other again. And the Prophet ﷺ accepted this. He accepted this. So when the next year came, in the month of Sha'ban, in the year four after Hijrah. So this is, you know, just about 10 to 11 months after the Battle of Uhud. So close to a year after the Battle of Uhud. In the month of Sha'ban, the Prophet ﷺ, with an army of 1,000 men, he went to Badr. And Abu Sufyan, he also left Mecca with an army of 3,000 men going towards Badr. So this Ghazwa is known as Ghazwatu Badr al-Akhirah or Ghazwat Badr al-Mawid. And if you remember, there are actually two previous expeditions of Badr before this. The first expedition of Badr is known as Ghazwat Badr al-Sughra. The, the minor battle of Badr. And that was when Kurz ibn Jabir al-Fihri, he stole some camels from the people of Medina and he tried to run away. And the Prophet wasallam with uh, a number of his companions chased him, but uh, he was able to escape. So that was known as the first Ghazwa of Badr, Ghazwat Badr al-Sughra. And actually no fighting took place in that battle. Then the very well-known Battle of Badr, the one you hear the name, the Battle of Badr, the one you think about automatically is Ghazwat Badr al-Kubra, the major Battle of Badr, the main Battle of Badr, which took place in the second year after the Hijrah of the Prophet Now this Battle of Badr or this expedition of Badr is known as Ghazwat Badr al-Akhirah, the last Battle of Badr, or Ghazwat Badr al-Maw'id, or the Battle of the appointment at Badr because it was a pre-made appointment that Abu Sufyan had suggested and the Prophet ﷺ had accepted the year before at Uhud. So at this expedition, Ghazwatu Badr al-Maw'id, the Prophet ﷺ came from Medina with 1,000 of his men and Abu Sufyan left Mecca with 3,000 of his men. And on the way, Abu Sufyan and the Kuffar of the Quraysh, they were actually scared. They didn't want to face the Muslims because they knew, you know, that the only reason why the Muslims suffered heavily at the Battle of Uhud was because of a mistake that they made. And they knew that this wasn't really the way of the Muslims to make this type of a mistake because they had experience with the Muslims at Badr the year before. 
So now they were afraid. They were, they were, they were thinking to themselves, you know, the Muslims, they're not going to make the same mistake that they made at Uhud. They're not going to make that same mistake again. You know, this is probably more likely going to end up like the Battle of Badr instead of the Battle of Uhud. So Abu Sufyan and his men, they were actually scared and they wanted to find an excuse to go back to Mecca. They wanted to find any excuse to go back to Mecca, even though they were larger in number. They were 3,000 men and the Prophet wasallam he had 1,000 men. So Abu Sufyan was trying to think of an excuse. What can we say to make an excuse to go back to Mecca without looking like cowards? We don't want to look like cowards, but we still want an excuse to go back to Mecca. So Abu Sufyan, he said, you know, this is a year of drought. We haven't had much rain this year. There has been a bad drought. So it's not really a good year for fighting. You know, it's not, it's not effective to fight when there has been a time period with no rain. Rather, if we're going to fight and we're going to have a good battle, it should be a year where there has been plenty of rainfall. And the Kufar of the Quraysh who also wanted an excuse to go back, they agreed with him. They said, yeah, 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 that's right. We should probably go back. This is not the right time for doing this. But still, they wanted to go back without the people calling them cowards. So what Abu Sufyan decided to do is he sent a man named Naeem ibn Mas'ud. Naeem ibn Mas'ud, later on he became a Muslim. But at this time, he was still a disbeliever. So Abu Sufyan sent Naeem ibn Mas'ud to try to scare the Prophet to try to scare the Prophet into retreating. So that if the Prophet retreats first and he goes back to Medina, then Abu Sufyan and the Quraysh can go back to Mecca and nobody will say anything. Nobody will call them cowards. So Naeem ibn Mas'ud, he went to meet with the Prophet and he told the Prophet he said, Abu Sufyan is coming with this huge army. It's probably better for you guys to go back. You won't be able to face his army. And the Prophet said, no, no, no. We're going to wait right here for Abu Sufyan and his army to come. We don't care how, how many people they are, how big they are. We're waiting right here and we're ready to fight them. So the Prophet refused to retreat. So he reached Badr. Prophet is at Badr with his men and they're camping out at Badr. They're just waiting at Badr, waiting for Abu Sufyan and the Kuffar of the Quraysh to come and to confront them. So now Abu Sufyan, he realizes that his plan sending Naeem ibn Mas'ud didn't work and now he's running out of excuses. What can I say? What kind of an excuse can I give to go back to Mecca? He had nothing. So he said, okay, we're just going to have to go back. Whatever the people say about us, they're going to say about us, but we do not want to go and confront the Muslims at Badr. So they didn't even reach Badr and they turned back and they went back to Mecca. So this was what happened at Ghazwat Badr al-Maw'id or Badr al-Akhirah. There was actually no fighting because Abu Sufyan and the forces of the Kuffar of the Quraysh, they went back without even reaching the destination. So of course, after this, the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims, they earned the respect of the people. They say, look, the Prophet ﷺ and his people, they kept their word and they kept that appointment that was made the previous year. They went to Badr ready to fight. Whereas Abu Sufyan and his people, they didn't even go all the way and they retreated and they went back to Mecca. So the reputation and the respect for the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims, it went up. But on the other hand, the reputation and the honor and the respect that people had for the Quraysh, it went very much down. So with the Kuffar of the Quraysh in such a humiliated situation, 
the Jews of Banu Nadir, they decided to exploit this situation. If you remember last week, we spoke about the expulsion of the Jewish tribe of Banu Nadir from Al Madinah. That this tribe had actually plotted to assassinate the Prophet. And the Prophet ﷺ ordered for them to be exiled from Al Madinah. So they left Al Madinah and they settled in Khaybar. So the Jews of Banu Nadir, they saw this as an opportunity to make an alliance with the Quraysh and also make an alliance with the other tribes that had enmity towards the Muslims. The Muslims had humiliated many tribes by this time. Many tribes had made plans to attack Medina, but the Prophet ﷺ was able to get there first. Many tribes actually ran away before even fighting with the Muslims. And these tribes were humiliated. So Banu Nadir saw this as an opportunity. Okay, these tribes were all humiliated by the Muslims. And they all have a lot of enmity and hatred towards the Muslims. So if we can get them all together and we can act as one group, and ambush the Muslims all together as a team, then that would be more effective. So this was the thinking of the leaders of Banu Nadir. Banu Nadir, they're now in Khaybar. And the leaders of Banu Nadir are Huyay ibn Akhtab and Salam ibn Mushkim and Kinana ibn Abi Huqayq. So these leaders, they devised this plan that we will go to these different tribes that are enemies of the Muslims and we'll try to bring them all together so we can form a confederation. We can form a coalition of groups that can attack the Muslims in Medina together. So this was what Banu Nadir decided to do. So they sent a delegation to Mecca. Banu Nadir, they sent a delegation from Khaybar to Mecca to meet with Abu Sufyan and to meet with the Quraysh to discuss this proposal. So the leaders of Banu Nadir they approached Abu Sufyan and they talked to him about this plan. And the Quraysh were unsure, should we accept this or should we not? So they actually asked the Jews, they said to the Jews, you are people of scripture, you are people who have received uh, revelations. So we just want to ask you a question, whose religion is better? Our religion, the Kufar of the Quraysh are asking about their own religion worshipping idols they're asking the Jews and the Jews are supposed to be people of Tawheed who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone right so the kuffar of the Quraysh ask the Jews whose religion do you guys think is better our religion the religion of the Quraysh the religion of idol worship or the religion of Muhammad and the Jews who are supposed to be people of Tawheed they said your religion is better than the religion of Muhammad can you believe this and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the Quran. So they actually said that the religion of idol worship, the religion of the Quraysh, was better than the religion of Tawheed, the religion of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the Quraysh agreed to enter this alliance with Banu Nadir. So then Banu Nadir, they went to the tribe of Ghatafan. Ghatafan was also another tribe who we spoke about earlier, who had a plan to attack Medina, but the Prophet ﷺ, he and his army, they went there first. And after a few days of a standoff, Ghatafan, they fled. 
they ran away. So this was another, another tribe who had a score to settle with the Muslims. So Banu Nadir, they approached them as well. And they offered them to join the alliance as well. And they accepted. So now we have the Quraysh, Banu Nadir, and Ghatafan. And the Jews of Banu Nadir also approached the Jews of Banu Qaynuqa'a. If you remember, Banu Qaynuqa'a was also a Jewish tribe that resided in Al-Madinah. But they were expelled from Al-Madinah as well. They were actually expelled before Banu Nadir. So the Jews of Banu Nadir actually talked to them as well. And they agreed to join the coalition as well. So you have the Jews of Banu Nadir, the Jews of Banu Qaynuqa'a. You have Ghatafan and you have the Quraysh. And they went around the land, going to different tribes and convincing them to come and join this coalition. So in the, in the end, the Jews of Banu Nadir managed to build a confederation consisting of themselves, Banu Nadir, and also Banu Qaynuqa', the Quraysh, the tribe of Kinana, the tribe of Banu Salim, the tribe of Ghatafan, the tribe of Banu Murrah, and other tribes as well. So a huge coalition, a huge confederation of different tribes working together against their common enemy, who were the Muslims. So these groups who join together, they are known as Al-Ahzab, the confederation. So they were an unholy alliance of enemies of the Muslims who gathered together to fight the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims. So this coalition or this confederation, they agreed to put Abu Sufyan in charge. They said, okay, Abu Sufyan, you're in charge of the whole confederation. It was a confederation of 10,000 soldiers. 10,000 soldiers. That is equivalent to the entire population of Al-Madinah at that time, including the Muslim men, women, children, and the Jews, and everyone in Medina. So this army of the confederation, it consisted in terms of numbers, the same as the whole population of Al-Madinah. So it was a huge army. So the Prophet ﷺ, of course, he had his intelligence officers all over the place. So he received news that this confederation is forming and that they are all planning to collude together to fight against the Muslims. So when the Prophet ﷺ received this intelligence, this is a very, very serious issue. So he gathered a number of his companions to discuss what should we do. What should we do to protect Medina? They're going to try to come and assault Medina. So what should we do to protect our city? So the Sahaba, they gave their suggestions and they gave their ideas. And one of the great companions of the Prophet ﷺ, Salman al-Farisi, and we spoke in a previous lesson about the story, the amazing story of this companion, Salman al-Farisi, who came from Persia and he traveled across so many different lands until he finally ended up in Medina with the Prophet ﷺ in his search for the truth. This man, Salman al-Farisi, he had an idea to protect Medina. And he presented that idea to the Prophet ﷺ. He said, Ya Rasulullah, when I was in Persia, if anyone ever wanted to invade our cities, what we would do is that we would dig these huge trenches these huge trenches around the entrances to the city so that they would not even be able to come through. Like a big, big trench so they can't cross and they can't invade. 
This was something that was unknown to the Arabs. The Arabs, the Quraysh, the tribes of the Arabian Peninsula, they never heard of this type of a strategy before. This was something that was known in Persia. So Salman al-Farisi he brought that experience with him and he presented it to the Prophet So this was a unique strategy that was unknown to the Arabs. So the Prophet thought it was a brilliant idea and he agreed to implement it. And the Sahaba, they were so happy at this, at Salman's suggestion. This is an amazing idea. So the Muhajireen, the people of Mecca, they said, Salman minna. Salman is a Muhajir like us. Because he made hijrah, he came from Persia, he came to Medina. And the Ansar, they said, no, no, Salman minna. Salman is from us, he's from the Ansar. Because he was already here in Medina before the hijrah took place. So the Muhajireen and the Ansar, they got into an argument. Who has more right to Salman? The Muhajireen is saying, the Muhajireen are saying Salman is from us. The Ansar is saying that, that Salman is from us. They're fighting over Salman. And the Prophet wasallam he said, Salman minna ahlul bayt. Salman is from us. He is from the people of my household. So this was a great honor for Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu. So now the work had to start. And this is heavy physical labor. Dig digging these huge trenches. So the Sahaba, they got to work and they started digging these trenches before the Kuffar arrived, right? And this is how this battle, the battle that is about to take place, it got the name as Ghazwat al-Khandaq, the battle of the trench, because of these trenches. It's also known as Ghazwat al-Ahzab, the battle of the confederation, the confederates, the different tribes who colluded together to fight with the Muslims. So it is known as Ghazwat al-Khandaq, the battle of the trench, or also known as Ghazwat al-Ahzab, the battle of the confederates or the confederation. So. Regarding the geography of Medina, they had to decide, okay, where are we going to dig these trenches? Regarding the geography of Medina, it was naturally protected on most sides. On the west and the east, it was protected by these lava fields that were very difficult to cross a path. And on the south, it was also protected by some lava fields and some mountains and also some very dense, heavy tree orchards. It was very difficult for people to pass through those orchards, okay? So Medina was naturally protected pretty much on the west and the east and the south. So it was mainly the north that was exposed. It was mainly the north that was exposed where the enemy would come to try to attack the city. There was also one small exposed area in the southeastern part of Medina. Small exposed area in the southeastern part of Medina where the tribe of Banu Qurayza resided. That was the area of land where the Jewish tribe, the only remaining Jewish tribe in Medina, Banu Qurayza, that is where they resided. So initially when the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina, there were three Jewish tribes. Banu Qaynuqa', Banu Nadir, and Banu Qurayza, three tribes. Banu Qaynuqa' were the first ones to be exiled for their treachery. And then Banu Nadir were also exiled for their treachery. So now there's only one tribe remaining of the Jews in Al-Madinah and that is the tribe of Banu Qurayza who inhabited the southeastern part of the city. Now they had a treaty with the Prophet ﷺ that they would not allow anyone to come and attack Medina. That they would defend Medina against any attackers. So the Prophet ﷺ, he went to them and he reminded them, you have a treaty with us 
that you will not allow anyone to infiltrate Medina. You will not allow any enemy to come into Medina. So, do not allow anyone to come from your side. And Banu Quraidha, they agreed. They said, of course, we have this treaty with you and we are not going to betray that treaty. So they started to dig the trenches in the northern part of the city, the exposed part of the city, which was the north. And they also built some smaller trenches along the west side as well, uh, in an area that was between some of the mountains. But the main major portion of the trenches were in the north part of the city. In the digging, and this is, this is heavy work, because it's not just small holes that they're digging. These are huge trenches that they're digging. These trenches have to be very long. These trenches have to be very deep, so that if someone falls into the trench, it's not easy for them to get out. And they have to also be very wide, so the horses can't jump over the trench. So this is heavy, heavy physical labor. So the Prophet ﷺ, he assigned the digging to groups. So he assigned groups of 10 men with one leader to dig different portions of the trench. And each trench, of course, it had to be long, it had to be deep, and it had to be wide in order to keep the invaders out. And the Prophet ﷺ himself, he also participated in the physical work. Prophet ﷺ himself, he participated and he helped in the physical work as well. And while they were doing this heavy work, this is heavy labor, it's not easy work. While they were doing it, you know, to keep their mind off the difficulty, they would recite some poetry, you know, just to keep the mood and to keep the spirits high, they would recite some poetry. And they would try to, you know, enjoy themselves while they were doing this work. One of the incidents that is, that is narrated regarding this was that there was a, a man who became Muslim and his name was Ju'ail and Ju'ail it's like a, like a bug right it's not a good name so the Prophet ﷺ, whenever someone would come and become a Muslim and if this person had a bad name a name that had a bad meaning the Prophet ﷺ would change this person's name so he said to Ju'ail he said now your name is Amr I change your name to Amr and then the man said okay I'm Amr so this is the way that they would immediately accept whatever the Prophet ﷺ said to them. He said, okay, from now on I'm Amr. So the Sahaba, they made a, a little rhyme about Ju'ail and his name being changed to Amr. They said, Sammahu min ba'di Ju'ailin Amra wa kana lil yawman zahra. So just to, just to enjoy themselves and to keep the mood light and to keep the spirits up, you know, they would just make up some poetry about, you know, whatever was going on. So they were digging, they were doing this work, and they were reading this poetry to keep their mood good and to keep their spirits high. In terms of the digging, the munafiqeen, they were also participating as well. They were digging as well, but their heart wasn't in it, of course. You know, they really didn't want to be there. So they were very lazy, and they would make excuses to go home. And they would tell the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, our homes are exposed. So we need to go home to protect our homes, you know. We have our families and stuff there. We need to go and protect our homes. They would say, surely our, our, our homes are exposed. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And they're not exposed. These people, they just want to run away. They don't want to participate. Now the way of the Prophet ﷺ regarding this, if anyone would say like, Ya Rasulullah, we, we need to go home, the Prophet ﷺ would say, okay, you go home. Because he didn't want people whose heart wasn't in it to be participating in it. What help were they going to be anyways? If the Prophet ﷺ would say to them, okay, no, no, you can't go, you have to stay here. 
what, what benefit would that be to the Muslims? Because these people, they don't want to do it. They're not going to do it. So if anyone would come to the Prophet ﷺ and say, Ya Rasulullah, I want to go home. He'd say, okay, you go home. He didn't want anyone whose heart was not in the work to be participating with them. So they were digging and digging and digging and it was very difficult. It was very cold and the Sahaba and the Prophet ﷺ were very hungry as well. They didn't have food. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during this difficult time for these people, for these companions and for the Prophet ﷺ, He showed them some amazing miracles to keep their spirits high and to strengthen their iman. So while they were digging, Jabir radiallahu anhu, Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu and his group, they were digging and they came across a rock. You know sometimes when you're digging you come across these rocks and you have to break the rock to continue digging. So they came across this rock and they tried to break it but they were not able to break it. So they couldn't continue digging. So Jabir, he informed the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, there's this rock and we're not able to, to break it. Can you come and help us? So the Prophet ﷺ, he got up. And when the Prophet ﷺ got up, Jabir radiallahu anhu, he saw some stones tied to the stomach of Rasulullah ﷺ to, to relieve the pain of hunger. The Prophet ﷺ and sometimes his companions, they would, put, they would attach stones to their stomach to ward off that feeling of hunger when they were extremely hunger when they were extremely hungry so when when the prophet sallallahu got up jabir saw that he had these rocks tied to his stomach so he knew rasulullah is very hungry so the prophet sallallahu he got up and he went into the trench and he took the axe and he hit that rock and he was able to break it and he broke it and it became dirt so now Jabir, after seeing this and seeing how hungry the Prophet ﷺ was, he asked the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, can I have uh, some time just to go home, just for a break? And the Prophet ﷺ said, yeah, okay. So Jabir radiallahu anhu, he went home. And he told his wife, he said, see what food we have. The Messenger of Allah ﷺ, he's very hungry. And the wife of Jabir radiallahu anhu said, okay, we only have this small amount of grain a little amount of grain to make some bread and we have a small lamb you know that's maybe good enough to feed three or four people so with the bread we have and with the lamb that we have maybe we can only feed very few people three or four people so Jabir radiallahu anhu he said okay uh, uh, you start uh, you know preparing the flour making the flour from that grain and I will slaughter the lamb and I will, I will cook it and then we will invite Rasulullah to come and eat so Jabir, he went and he sacrificed the lamb and he cut it into pieces and he put it in a pot on the fire. And his wife, she ground the flour to prepare it to make some bread. Then, the, then Jabir radiallahu anhu, he went back to the area of the trenches. He went back to the area of the khandaq where the Muslims were working. He went back to the Prophet wasallam and he quietly told the Prophet wasallam. Not in front of everyone, but quietly he told the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, uh, we have prepared some food for you. So please come uh, to our house and eat it. And you can bring you know, a few of your companions. Maybe bring three or four people. And we can go and we can eat. So he told this to the Prophet ﷺ quietly. And he said to the Prophet ﷺ, you can also bring you know, a few companions. Maybe three or four companions. And, and we can go and we can eat. So then the Prophet ﷺ, he announces to all of the people, he says, oh people, Jabir is inviting all of us to his home for a feast. And there are a thousand people there. 
Now Jabir, he's scared. He's like, how are we going to feed all of these people? How are we going to feed all of these people? But the Prophet ﷺ instructed Jabir. He said, okay, don't remove the pot from the fireplace. Keep the pot on the fireplace and don't bake the bread until I reach your house. So the Prophet ﷺ, he came and he put some of his blessed saliva into the flour and also he put some of his blessed saliva into the pot of meat and he told Jabir he said okay call another baker who can help you bake and keep taking out meat from the pot but don't remove the pot from the fireplace so they continue to serve people like that one by one and Jabir says there were 1000 guests there were 1,000 guests and I swear by Allah, Wallahi, all of them, every single one of those men ate to their fill until they left and they went away. And even after that, the pot was still brimming over and the flour was just as it was. This was a mu'jiza, a miracle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave through the Prophet and he showed it to the believers so that it would increase their iman in this situation where they needed a boost in iman so it increased their iman and it lifted their spirits and it quenched their hunger as well they were so hungry and they were able to have a good meal as they continued to dig there was one area with a huge rock there was one area with a huge rock that, that impeded their work so they tried to break it but instead of being able to break that rock it was breaking their tools they would try to break it and their tool would break and the rock wouldn't budge so they went to the Prophet and they said Ya Rasulullah we're having trouble with this rock so the Prophet he took an axe and he said Allahu Akbar and he hit it and when he hit it he said he said I have been given the keys of Asham and I can see its palaces then he said Allahu Akbar and he hit it a second time and he said Faris. I have been given the keys of Persia and I can see the white palace of Al-Mada'in then he said Allahu Akbar and he hit it a third time and he said Yemen. I have been given the keys of Yemen and I can see the gates of Sana'a in front of me right now so these were some prophecies that the Prophet ﷺ was shown as he was breaking this rock and with three hits he was able to shatter that rock and break it and he was shown these signs that the Muslims will conquer the land of Asham and they will conquer the land of Persia and they will conquer the land of Yemen now this is a time when the Muslims have no land except for the city of Medina only. And the Prophet ﷺ is saying, we will have Sham, we will have Persia, we will have Yemen. At a time where they only had Medina at this time. So of course the true believers, the Mu'mineen, they believed in this. This is the promise of Allah and His Messenger. And the promise of Allah and His Messenger is always true. But the Munafiqeen, they laughed at this. They said, you know, we are even afraid to go to the bathroom. We're so scared that we're even afraid to go and use the bathroom. And he is promising us that we will have Sham and we will have Persia and we will have Yemen. And they said, 
that Allah and His Messenger have not promised any, anything except deception. So this was the attitude of the munafiqeen. But the true believers, they believed it. That this is the prophecy of Rasulullah and it will surely come true. And surely it did come true. Just about 10 years later, at the Battle of Al-Yarmouk, the Muslims took Sham. And a few months after that, in the Battle of Al-Qadisiyah, the Muslims, they took Persia. Subhanallah. So the prophecy of Rasulullah came true. Just about 10 years after this Battle of Khandaq. Alhamdulillah. So this was what the Muslims did to prepare themselves and to prepare Medina, to protect their city, to protect Medina from the invasion of this confederation, of this coalition, this axis of evil of the different tribes of the Kuffar coming to ambush the Muslims. So finally, the Kuffar arrived and it was time for the confrontation between the Muslims and the Ahzab. And inshallah, we will talk about the confrontation next week. Bismillah. Wallahu alam. Sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.